Trey, how are you feeling today? Fine. I I said that Nuggets would win yesterday. I accepted it. The Heat did give me hope. Uh, the dirty four-letter word. I know. And, you know, at halftime and in that fourth quarter when Jimmy G was trying his best, but then Nuggets just too good. Uh, they had the best player in the world who uh, celebrated in the most unique way I've ever seen, which was actually kind of, you know, it was funny and cool to see. So, uh, but yeah, Nuggets are champs and uh, best team all year, best player in the world. They win the title. God, there's so many different angles to unpack from this. There's the social media angle. Social media and ESPN and the need to feed in the mothership and social media and hashtag NBA Twitter. Joel Embiid. He should be the MVP because he hasn't won it yet and he deserves to have a chance. Never mind that he's clearly not the best player, clearly not in great condition. And once you give him an award, he immediately just caves over and stops. Meanwhile, he deserved the MVP no, this year. No, no, he is not the best. Wait, no, you're reacting. Time out. Time out. You are reacting. This is. I, I think Jokic is a better player, but you're reacting to the postseason. The Nuggets. Let's let's be true about the Nuggets. The Nuggets faded at the end of the regular season. They didn't play. Jokic didn't play towards the end of the regular season. The Sixers weren't great for much of the regular season, with the exception. They were the three the seed in the. Season. They were the three seed in the East. They exactly. In the postseason, wait. Uh, the MVP is a regular season award. That's why James Harden has one. That's why Russell Westbrook has one. Yes, still. Russell Westbrook performed eh. in the playoffs. No, no, no. But, I get it, Trey. You love you some hashtag NBA Twitter and no, social no, media no, and what I, happens on the big sports networks. Okay. Let's get out of this stupidity. Not for you, Trey, because you're a very intelligent individual here. But the whole idea that what you see, and don't give me statistics against teams that are resting starters. He, aver- he led the league mm. in scoring this year. Like, it's not like he was, like, nothing. He's not the best player, though. The best player is Nicole Jokic. Okay, can't oh, wait a minute. Three times okay, then LeBron should have, like, 10 MVPs because he was the best player in the world for a decade and won- didn't win MVP. Like, that doesn't matter. You know, I-, I-, I could get behind that sentiment. I mean, the best player in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes, who won the MVP this past year. And I'd say deservedly so, even as an Eagles fan over Jalen Hurts. But oftentimes, people don't want to give it out because... The MVP the t- doesn't go to the best player. It is voter fatigue driven, though. Can we at least admit that? Yes. That like, is- Giannis was the best player the last two years and then when MVP Jogic did. Like, there is a... There is... But literally, there was a campaign from Joel Embiid. I want the MVP. Like, it mattered, obviously, more to him than what happened last night, winning yes. the championship. Yeah, I... Absurd as it is. That's it fair, but to say, like, I, this is always a dumb argument when you use the postseason as a referendum on the regular season in terms of awards. Like, Jokic was great all year, but again, like, this season, and to not... Like the when they went head to head in the regular season because it's a regular season award, Embiid beat Jokic. Like that happened. We can't ignore that. Regular season, Joel Embiid was the most valuable player this year because he led the league in scoring and got the Sixers to this to the three seed. All right, can I push back then on a different tone? Because I can understand your line of thinking, but here's where it goes with my line of thinking, and you know where I'm going with this. If you're referencing all this information about regular season accomplishments and the NBA being a great regular I, season product, how come when you get to the postseason, you know what's really going to happen? The players that have fight, Miami Heat, the Denver Nuggets, not 
Joel Embiid in Philadelphia. I'd say it's more of a James Harden issue than a Joel Embiid issue. Are you serious? Joel Embiid is as in shape as, well, the three of us in here. Well, again, I'd rather have... Wait a minute, okay. I'd rather have Joel Embiid in an NBA playoffs than James Harden by, like, a lot. Okay, that's fantastic, Again, but that's like Joel, taking out the less Joel, section of the lane. No, film. like Embiid actually like show, tried to show up while James Harden didn't in the NBA, like has tried to show up in the NBA playoffs. Well, you know, James hasn't. Like, but, plus he stays hurt too. Okay, that's true. All right, I'm not disputing James Harden stays hurt, but it goes back to more roster construction. Again, your most talented player needs to set the this, tone, and Joel Embiid kind of sets the tone of I want my awards, I want my recognition, I need to be verified, validated, and verified, and then winning doesn't really matter nearly as much. Meanwhile, there's Nicole Jokic, and what he did last night is only a part of his narrative and what he's put together. Because there's two parts to this. One of the parts that was really cool is, here is the most notable moment of Nicole Jokic's, Nicole Jokic's career, as you heard last night. And of course, I cut out the part where they actually mentioned the sponsor, because they're not a sponsor of ours, across the Virginia Talk Radio Network, and I'll be admitting I'm petulant like that. Two things you only dreamed would come together. A delicious, cheesy quesadilla, wrapped around a beefy burrito. You know what happened during that commercial? You probably have heard it by now and seen it on social media, but that was what was playing when the Denver Nuggets selected Nicole Jokic in the second round almost a decade ago. That's what was playing. Flew under the radar. Fights, scraps, claws. Shows a level of commitment. And it's not just, oh, he tries hard in games. Okay, great. How about you try hard to prepare your body for the rigors of the postseason run, uh, Joel Embiid, take a note of that, and get your body to the point where you don't have to sub yourself out because you're winded and fatigued, and you don't have what it takes when it matters down the stretch, and everything that goes into that. And yes, this is a bitter Philadelphia fan, but I don't care about the, oh, he won the MVP of the regular. Okay, great. I would rather win the trophy at the end of the year than the trophy in the middle of the playoffs. That's the one that matters the most. Nicole Yoga cares more about that. LeBron James, your guy cares more about that, Trey. His comrade, Dwayne Wade, Miami Heat, cares more about that. Jimmy Butler cares more about that. Giannis, but oh no, not Joel Embiid. And yes, this is a bitter Philadelphia fan chiming in right now, but Jokic is a second-round pick who is the best player in the NBA right now. Giannis Antetokounmpo argue where he, or wherever he fits into the pantheon of best current NBA players. You might be able to say he's second right now. Should have been second to Jokic in MVP voting. But... He was not selected in the top 10 of the draft. And yes, there are projections that go into this, but you can find players and develop them elsewhere. And a lot of it's the attitude that those players carry with them. And we saw that on display, not just last night, but throughout was a dominating postseason run. And yeah, I'll look at this series where, with the exception of game two, no, no other game of the four that Denver won featured Miami going over 100 points. They were lower scoring games. I loved it. Classic basketball. It wasn't just up and down, run and gun, fast pace, no defense. It was a grinded out type of affair. I thought it was awesome. Great to see. And then there's the other part to this. And we can get to this around 5.45 today. Because we were going to talk about this now. We did an InsaneRadioDeals.com fast take on this. But the sportsmanship shown by Nicole Jokic. I get it. He didn't show a whole lot of emotion. And it ties into someone else we'll touch on from the same country who is on a different level of greatness from the now NBA newly minted NBA champion in Denver. But 
it may be a Serbian thing. I don't pretend to know a whole lot about that particular country and that particular part of the world. Other than that, well, if you've survived uh, wars, you're probably capable of handling a lot of adversity that comes your way in sports. But there's also that element that just doesn't get shown nearly as much as it used to in the world of sports. And so when it's out there, it doesn't get headlines. It certainly doesn't generate a lot of appeal on the Embrace Debate shows, where you take this side, I take that side, and we need controversy. There's nothing controversial about sportsmanship. But sometimes it's refreshing to see. If it's genuine in who you are, and it sure appears that that's the case, from the NBA, should have been regular season, definitely was postseason MVP, Nicole Jokic, you can finally showcase that level of sportsmanship. If that's part of who you are, great, go for it. I think it's awesome. And it was really, really cool to see that this last evening in the NBA Finals. Much like it's really, really cool when you're able to save money shopping at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Perhaps you want a new hairdo to keep you cooler. Note to myself, of course, for this one, the Lotus Beauty Bar. Gift cards are waiting for you at InsaneRadioDeals.com. It's still cool enough outside to go to Botetot Golf and Swim Club. Trey, something else tickle your fancy? I was going to say, what a tribute we did today to Shannon Sharp on his last day of Undisputed by having a very Undisputed-like debate. You know, we may have a bigger one than that if we get time to it around the end of the fast lane today because some of the feedback has come in, and every time we bring up goats, it just brings into LeBron versus Michael Jordan, and I can't stand it because they're two different styles and two different eras. But Yeah, and one's a better basketball player, and that's LeBron James. I mean, look, one's the best player of all time, and that's Michael Jordan, and he won multiple championships and carried his team, and he didn't undermine his playing ability by being a horrible GM and the difficulty in assembling talent and ironically calling for the best coach in the NBA to get fired and Eric Spolstra. You know, all those little things that popped up for LeBron James, the visionary that we can't bear to disparage because social media won't allow it. I would still pick LeBron as a GM over over Michael Jordan because have you watched the Hornets for the last decade? I'm not saying that version of Michael. I'm I'm talking about when Michael was a We're going to compare about GMs. Like, at least LeBron gets his team still playoffs when he GMs. Like, the Hornets are the worst run franchise in sports. Let's... Let's talk about uh, running teams. Trey is all about comparing different sections of the landfill today, the lower and lower and the stinkier versus the stinkier. But alas, that will come later in the fast lane. Keep your thoughts coming. Fast lane, Ed lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But yes, if you would like to save, maybe you need to cool off. Maybe you need to blow off some steam. Listening to Trey and me discuss this, well, if you want to call it debate, on the NBA Finals MVP or whatever else is going on out there. We weren't debating the Finals MVP. We're debating the regular season MVP. But again, that's a you're using the postseason context for a regular season award. That's like saying Jimmy Butler should be a first team All NBA player this year, which he shouldn't have been. Well, yeah, I mean, if that's the direction you want to go, great. But the most valuable player. If you want to call the best player, I, I don't put Joel Embiid into that category. But I don't either. I didn't either. I just want to say I said Jokic was a better player. I just said Embiid deserved the MVP. Yes. Well, speaking of debates, nothing gets people debating more than anything that mentions the words Duke or North Carolina. And we may even get into this with our next guest, who's a North Carolina fan, before we eventually talk some high school f- sports, not football yet, but high school sports. Ben Cates of NewsAdvance.com slated to join us around 535 today in the fast lane. But Duke and Carolina, they are part of what we get to discuss in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Few things in the world get me more amused than watching people that have an entrepreneurial spirit 
come up with a regurgitated idea that didn't work the first time, but they're convinced they've got what it takes to make it work the second, third, or fourth time, even though there are a lot of blueprints for why it's not really going to work. And I say that because the XFL has reportedly lost around $60 million in 2023, and they've had to cut jobs. But here's the best part. Co-owner Danny Garcia said, quote, we are extremely well capitalized for the long term, end quote. Oh, yes, because nothing says well capitalized like losing money and having to cut jobs to sustain that. Now, granted, the NFL has done the same thing, cutting jobs, even though they clearly are not losing money. But the blueprint for spring football leagues, the XFL and the USFL, they've never been that strong to begin with. And is it possible that as much as we love football in this country, college football, high school football, and yes, professional football certainly takes the cake, that being the NFL, there's a bit of a cap on what you can expect and wait for it as much time as people pump into football. And I'll raise my hand as being as guilty as anyone when it comes to like mid-July with ACC football kickoff about a month from now down in North Carolina all the way through mid-February when the Super Bowl takes place that it has a major run of how my life structured and operates. There's also a nice chunk of the calendar where I can get a relative breather from what's actually going on with football games. Granted, there are other storylines and topics to discuss. And I think there are a lot of folks out there that have spoken through their decisions. And the reason why I can make this claim is not just what people would say at Fastlane, Midlane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We've gotten a little bit of feedback about what happened with the D.C. defenders and making a deep run into the uh, USFL season. But... The truth is, the majority of feedback out there does indicate that's the case as based upon the lack of ratings as it continues to dwindle from week one through whenever these seasons end, all the way to the attendance as well, it being more limited. So, yes, the XFL losing money and cutting jobs but claiming they are extremely well capitalized for the long term doesn't hold much water based upon a lot of current trends that we've seen and those current trends being the history of a league such as this number four nascar and hendrick motorsports number 24 chevrolet took the checkered flag at the 100th running of the 24 hour of le mans in france over the weekend clearly this is an organization in hendrick motorsports that when they want to invest financially in it considering they've got the backing of a very well regarded arguably the most successful nascar organization combined with rick hendrick having what 75 different car dealerships sprinkled across the United States of America in different forms, clearly a good business mind. They have the resources to pump into something like this. Okay, maybe it's not like private investment fund Saudi Arabia resources, but if NASCAR's premier flagship organization wants to put a car into the 24 hours of Le Mans, which is one of the more prestigious races, races that are out there, along with the Monaco Grand Prix, as boring as that stuff is in Formula One, certainly the Indy 500 and the Daytona 500 uh, in IndyCar and NASCAR, respectively. You know, the 24-hour of Le Mans is one of those bigger events. NASCAR bankrolling that with Hendrick Motorsports, I do think it's smart because it is increasing the international profile of this particular organization, and that's a very savvy business move to sense what's on the horizon and make the, in the immortal words of Kenny Powers, dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Based decision that has come from this. Number three. Speaking of. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Early returns indicate that there might be more of those coming to the NBA. 
because early returns have suggested that the NBA saw a viewership increase of about 3 to 4%, according to president of content and executive producer Greg Wink, because of earlier start times to the NBA Finals. 8.30 p.m. as opposed to 9 p.m., or a couple minutes after 8.30, as opposed to a couple minutes after 9 p.m. Eastern Time. I love it. I think it's fantastic. It's interesting to hear the observation of folks that cover sports media more ardently of why earlier start times to sporting events can make sense. Um, But according to John Oran, one of the most respected sports media insiders uh, from Sports Business Journal, he said, quote, the numbers come as a complete shock as especially considering that I've spent decades writing about how later start times are almost always translate into bigger ratings, end quote. Here's the thing, though. If he has spent decades writing about that, he would probably be an older individual. And whether it's that, the fact that sleep in our society has been more emphasized, the value of getting sleep and what that can do for people in general and their health and their mood and everything else and the awareness around that has risen, combined with the fact that people speak out about this, there are more entertainment options than ever before, so you can easily check out sooner. It doesn't shock me at all. I get to old school people who may be in the older demographic and have always grown up that later start times translate into bigger TV ratings for an event. I think that mindset held true for a while. But when ESPN sees a 32% increase in ratings for Eastern time zone during the Western Conference Finals by moving the start times up as well, plus a ratings decline of only a couple percentage points for the Pacific time zone, it goes with one of those long-held beliefs that has kind of always been wondered, but nobody wanted to test it out. And that particular belief being that on the East Coast, if you start it too late, they'll check out for bedtime and they want to be able to watch something earlier. Whereas on the West Coast, they will grow in or their evening will grow in to viewing a particular product, which is why this is a noteworthy trend that earlier start times generated more successful viewership and seem to have translated to something the NBA justifiably, I would say, may consider implementing further. And then one more point on this as well. Look at the NFL. For the longest time, they held that same sentiment. Monday Night Football should start after 9 p.m. They moved it up to 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 45 minutes sooner. And while ratings have been down, relatively speaking, compared to other games, when they finally got good matchups last year, the ratings increased. So it had less to do with time and more to do with the quality of the matchup. Same thing with Sunday Night Football, which is now the premier event, not Monday Night Football, as Sunday Night Football has been for the better part of two decades. And again, people who grew up on Monday Night Football being the big deal, fantastic. But really, since the mid-2000s, it's been Sunday Night Football because of flex scheduling and the NFL putting games during that time slot. So because of that, you've got the ability now to put games at a better time. But Sunday Night Football, much like the NBA Finals, they start the games at 8.30 as opposed to after 9 o'clock where you're taxing your East Coast viewers. If the NFL doesn't, eventually other people find a way to copy that. Number two. Three-time team captain for North Carolina, Marcus Page, returning to Chapel Hill and joining Hubert Davis's staff as director of team and player development. The Tar Heels announced a little over a week ago. I love this move for North Carolina. Page is one of the good guys, according to most folks that covered the team. Now in the media, he was not very well revered because he didn't really provide a lot of content. But in terms of the team and the pulse and being able to gauge where the team was, being regarded as a team leader in North Carolina, for a program who often has been willing to go after questionable personalities, believing they can mesh them into the culture, Page is the kind of guy that has fit that. 
And in an era where culture matters, maybe less than it has before because of name, image, and likeness, but it is still an important concept, somebody who's around and been around long enough to understand the value of that would be Marcus Page. I love the hire for North Carolina. Hubert Davis needing to bolster his staff after what took place last year and clear issues with culture and a lack of experience. Having someone like Page around that could relate to younger players, especially as Davis is a less experienced coach trying to navigate hurdles like what North Carolina experienced last year, really struggling to gain traction and push through the adverse circumstances over the season. I think it's a very good hire from that perspective as well. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. Well, good thing this happened after Coach K left college basketball. Because the NCAA officially changing the charge block rule in men's basketball, essentially making it more difficult for defenders to earn charge calls going forward. The key change in essence, and we're going to try to explain this as best we possibly can on a radio show where there are no visuals to be able to aid, but a defender needs to be in position to draw a charge when the offensive player plants his foot to go airborne. After the plant foot is off the ground, it's considered a block if you try to slide in there at the last second. No doubt it's reasonable to wonder how this would have impacted the Duke Blue Devils. How often did they find a way to have the classic, this is before they went to the one-and-done model, which they've used most recently and has only yielded one championship and a lot of disappointing ends to talented squads. But when Duke went to the overachiever-type team before the one-and-done era, Duke was a master at being able to get players in there, Coach K was a master, at being able to teach players how to slide in at the last second, get your feet planted quickly, and take the charge. That rule has been changed. I think it absolutely would have had an impact on the Duke Blue Devils and what they have accomplished going forward. But it's kind of like my theory on tennis and maybe more on this after the uh, chat with Ben Cates of NewsAdvance.com. My theory on tennis, I would love to see men's grand slams be best two out of three instead of best two out of five to make it more entertaining and quicker paced. But I'd like to see that as soon as Novak Djokovic is out because everyone else is that's a real contender. By and large, they are younger players. So the style of play, the style of game could change along with it. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return in the Fast Lane, wrapping up spring sports season, Ben Cates, NewsAdvance.com, will share some observations with us. And yeah, we may sneak in a question on Carolina Duke because big Carolina fan himself from the area. He'll join us next in the Fast Lane across the Virginia Talk Radio Network and the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. 